Right, hello and welcome to the Perth LFM podcast. This is your host, Michael. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Richard, from 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. How are you, Richard? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, so uh, obviously, we're looking forward to our first season in the Premier League for 23 years. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite an achievement. It's, it's been obviously a long time and Nottingham Forest have got quite a rich history as well and European Cup winners back in the day. So it'd be good to have them back in the Premier League. So um, as you said, um, Nottingham Forest are back in the Premier League for the first time in 23 years. What does it mean to yourself and other Nottingham Forest fans to be back finally? Okay, right. So the first thing I'm going to disclose is that I am of a certain age. So um, I started watching Forest back in the late 80s. And so I'm too young to remember when they won the European Cup, but I'm old enough to remember when Forest were the third best team in the country back in the late 80s and early 90s when we're going to Wembley every year. And uh, going to Wembley for the playoff final was the first visit there in 30 years. So I was there last time they were there. I was there the most recent time they were there. And um, and the apart from the massive excitement, obviously, of getting promoted, just last season was such a rush, such a ride. And I've honestly, in in all of my 43 years on the planet, I've never experienced anything like it as a sports fan. Yeah, it's obviously quite an achievement. Like you say, there was once upon a time, Nottingham Forest were uh, one of the big boys in the Premier League, of course, still a very big club. But we've seen lots of clubs go down um, in recent years, such as Leeds, um, Sunderland as well, falling down the leads, really uh, leads, and it's really difficult to come back from that as well with the championships. Such a difficult league, and as you've seen, teams like Sunderland as well. And just correct me if I'm wrong. I think maybe Nottingham Forest dropped below the championships as well. So yeah, we had we had three years, uh, three years in League One, which was quite possibly the least enjoyable time of of my uh, life as a football fan. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can imagine as well. It's, it's not just the, the quality of football, probably uh, player retention as well, but financially it can really um, break the back of a club as well. So, yeah, it's very difficult. Yeah, it really was. And um, one of the things that's, you know, when you're not in the top flight, it's very, very easy to forget um, just how difficult it is. You lose all kinds of revenue, not just gate receipts, but the amount of money you can pay in wages. Obviously, there's in recent years there's been financial fair play restrictions and all of those kinds of things but also it's just that everything everything on the in the club is, is on the right real downer so you're not getting revenue in you can't spend money um there are a hardy bunch of like fifteen thousand to twenty thousand fans who'd still be going every week but then as a club you you become former European Cup winners Nottingham Forest the first team ever to get relegated down to the third tier who've won a European Cup and and that becomes a millstone around your neck so for Forest to have this sudden rise you know they've knocked on the door a couple of times but to, to have this sudden rise in the last um, 10 months was just absolutely astonishing and what's really interesting is that now that they are freed from the shackles of championship um financial fair play restrictions they are spending the money and they are being ambitious not just in terms of what they're spending but how they're spending as well yeah yeah so we'll um we'll get on to the transfers a little bit later on but now that you're finally back and obviously it sounds like it's been quite a whirlwind and we'll talk about the circumstances of, um, about sort of how it happened and where you were at one point last season but 
now that you are back, what's the consensus amongst yourself and other Nottingham Forest fans about a successful year um, next season? Is it just about avoiding relegation or is there a sense that Nottingham Forest can push on to a little bit more than that? Well, I mean, realistically, 17th would be a success, wouldn't it? But, but actually, optimistically, I think everyone, fans, management, club hierarchy, they are looking at doing better. And you can see the fact that it's not just that they've signed a lot of players, but they've not been scared to, you know, the owner's not been scared to dip his hand in his pocket and make ambitious signings who, on the one hand, they can be successful in their own right and make maybe make Forrest into a good Premier League team. So you look at signings like Nico Williams and Omar Richards and uh, Taiwo Awani, and you think, well, those are players who they're signing them for their ability to hopefully go on and be be good Premier League players. Then on the other hand, you've got players like Dean Henderson. And if it happens at the time of recording, there's the big rumour about Jesse Lingard, you know, signing players who've got Premier League experience, but still at a good age. And yet their wages are really high. But that could be the difference between having a successful season and not. But then on the other hand, those assets, with with the potential exception of Lingard, if that happens, but those assets are also ones whereby if the worst does happen, we can sell them on. We don't have to worry about their wages if we're a division below, like Fulham and Bournemouth have had to worry about um, in recent years. And hopefully we can sell them on at a profit. So I think, you know, we're, we're, our, the fee for Nico Williams is up to 17 million with the add-ons. I think if Forrest, even if they go down and Williams has a good season, plays at the World Cup, then his value can go up to 20 million plus even if we do go down. So that's the kind of that's the kind of market in which Forrester are operating at the moment. Yeah, and that, look, I think recruitment is so important as well and being smart with your signings because you mentioned the team I was going to speak about as well, Fulham, uh, Norwich as well. Teams that come up, they obviously have that influx of cash coming in um, and they tend to spend big, but they ta- perhaps don't always get it right. And I think it's probably, it's really important to get have that fine line between the players who did get back to the Premier League and then bring players who can help improve your squad and solidify your position. So I was going to talk about Jesse Lingard, but we'll just quickly talk about uh, some of the deals that have come in. You've already mentioned a lot of the names here. So uh, Tewo Awani, um, Dean Henderson um, on loan from Manchester United. So I think that's a really good signing. Um, Julian, well, I'm going to, I might pronounce this wrong. Uh, Bianco. Yeah. apparently it's Bianco it's not the there's no accent on the E so um, <laughs> yeah there's been a bit of debate about that I, I, I'm not sure I've got it right but I'm not sure anyone else has either <laughs> no and I think a few commentators probably butcher that next season as well but um, and then Musa Niakate yep yeah uh, Niakate yeah as well which is I think is an excellent signing as well um, Nico Williams as you mentioned Wayne Hennessy from Burnley so that's good experience um Brandon Aguilera, which I've just noticed on the outs list as well. He's gone back out on loan somewhere else. Um, and then you've obviously signed the two boys from Huddersfield, Lewis O'Brien and Harry Tofolo. So kind of got an insight into this um, with your last answer, but which of these players are you looking forward to seeing in the Nottingham Forest shirt the most and who should we be watching out for next season? I mean, given the way that Forest play, so since Steve Cooper's come in, He's mostly played a 3-4-1-2 formation, and that means the wing-backs. Okay, Richards, it's been announced he's going to be out for a few weeks. Um, he's got a hairline fracture of his leg, so Toffolo's likely to play in the left wing-back position. 
Obviously, Williams is going to play right wing back. Um, but all three of those players are ones who, yes, they've got the ability to defend, and but with the three at the back as well, when they get forward, the two wide centre-backs pull out and then they cover that area. Now, the wing-backs were so important. So we saw Jed Spence last season, what an impact he had. And even if you weren't watching the championship, you'll have seen in the uh, FA Cup run against Arsenal and Leicester, that Jed Spence was just getting up and down that wing, um, dovetailing with Brennan Johnson going forward, putting crosses into the box. And that's what we expect from Williams and Richards and Toffolo. So those are the things that I think are going to be potentially most important to the way Forest play. Niakate is apparently an absolute Rolls-Royce of a defender. I've not had a chance to see him, but in the friendlies, he's looked like he's a class above already. And he's been captaining a team who are at the top end of the Bundesliga. So you know that he's a decent, you know, hopefully that pedigree should show through. And Tyro Awani, bit of a strange one because you're never quite sure how Bundesliga strikers are going to adapt to the Premier League. But of course, he came up through the Liverpool Academy. So he understands English football. Steve Cooper's got that link with him from being at Liverpool around the same time as well. And so there's big hopes that even if he isn't necessarily a 15 goal a season striker, if he can get towards double figures, but bring other players in, so now the Brennan Johnsons of this world and maybe um, some of the midfielders, O'Brien maybe to break through, uh, maybe the wing backs to get into the box to create those other opportunities, then that could be £17 million well spent. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, it, it is really important to get that recruitment right. Um, I just want to talk about a name which you did just mention beforehand, Jesse Lingard, which when I saw it, I thought, oh, yeah, I can't quite believe it, um, if I'm being honest it. Just, just given the wages that he might demand, what's your thoughts on Jesse Lingard potentially moving to Nottingham Forest? Obviously a really talented player. He's fallen by the wayside a little bit. Um, and how likely do you think it is to actually happen? Right, so I'll put a bit of context in here. So Forest wanted and still do want Morgan Gibbs-White. And Morgan Gibbs-White, in my opinion, was the best player in the championship last season. He's the player who's always had loads of talent. And of course, as so often with young players, it's how he applies that talent. So he got a season being the fulcrum of that Sheffield United team that we beat in the playoffs. And he was their best player. He also knows Steve Cooper really well from the England under 17s. And he was on loan at Swansea when Cooper was the manager. So he was the first choice to be number 10. But Wolves don't want to let him go. Or if they do want to let him go, they want to let him go at a lot of money. So initially it looked like we'd be paying 20 million. That's gone up to apparently Everton a bid 25. Wolves obviously want to bid a bidding war, which is perfectly reasonable from their point of view. Gibbs White also knows one of the guys who's in Frank Lampard's coaching staff at Everton. So it looks as though that deal may not happen. Now, if you look at it in that respect, Lingard, more of a wild card because he's had an up and down career. And of course, his time at West Ham was really successful. He did really well for England in the World Cup in 2018. So he's got a bit of pedigree. He's got some talent. Is he an Instagram footballer? That accusation is out there. His wages would be really high. But of course, he's on a free. So the way to get around that in my humble opinion, is to pay him a big fat signing on fee in lieu of a transfer fee, which can reduce his weekly wage. The really difficult bit, though, is that Gibbs White, if you sign him, as I said earlier about some of the other players, if you sign him, he's going to have a really strong resale value. Whereas Jesse Lingard, if we go down, 
how are you going to shift him? And no player is going to want a relegation clause that says, right, if we go down, then you're out of a job, mate. Um, so, so that's the difficulty. But, you know, in terms of the raw figures, I can see why signing an established player on potentially less or similar money than Gibbs White could work as a short-term deal. It's just a question of whether that's actually going to happen because we know what the business of football is like. Yeah, look, undoubtedly he, he's got the pedigree. He'd be, such, he'd be a great signing and definitely um, improve the squad. Obviously, like you say, there's, there's a couple of hurdles to sort of come over there with wages. I suppose you don't want to upset the dressing room and have all these players so come and say, well, if he's getting this much, why am I not getting this much as well? Like you say, the free transfer does definitely help things and makes it probably a more realistic proposition. But it'll be interesting to see how it um, plays out. And I think he'd be a good sign for, for many Premier Leagues. Nottingham Forest included as well. So, yeah, clearly a talented player, but um, just like you say, he's, he's kind of had up and down career. And I think most people will probably sign. I know we're talking about Nottingham Forest, but I was surprised when he didn't sign with West Ham. So, it's interesting to spend another year on the bench at Manchester United. So, we'll be interested to see what happens there. Um, yeah. All right, so, so, sorry, uh, we'll just move on to the outgoings. So, it's quite um, an extensive list here, probably a little bit more than players who have come out. I'll just reel off a couple of the names. So, uh, Tobias Figueredo, um, he's gone to Hull City. Gaetan Bong, he's been released. Quite a lot of released players here. Carl Jenkinson, feels like he's been around forever. So, I'm from Australia. He's actually been on loan at um, Manchester City's sister club, Melbourne City. So, he's been released. Um, Mohamed Draguer, um, Jaden Richardson, Ethan Kovrath, Bryce Samba, who obviously... Uh, from my memory over in Australia, saw his antics, penalty shootout antics as well. So that made the headlines here. Um, and then there's a few other names here. Lewis Brabham, Jonathan Panzo, he's gone on loan. Um, there's a couple more loans there as well. And Brandon Aguilera, as we mentioned before as well. Is there anybody here that you're sad to see leave the club or is it kind of as expected from a Nottingham Forest point of view? Yeah, there's two or three that are sad to see them go, but with a pragmatic head on, you kind of also think, are they big losses? Bearing in mind that we need to now shift a level up. So Lewis Graben is probably one of the headlines because he's been the club captain for last year or two. He is a vastly experienced player. He's someone who knows where the goal is. But on the other hand, Forrest, he knew he wasn't going to play much football at Forest. I'm sure that he's going to end up signing um, either at championship level or maybe move abroad for a big payday. You can't blame him for wanting to go off and earn money and play more regular football than you'd get at Forest. So, so that's reasonable. Um, Toby Figueredo, his contract was up. The rumour was that he wanted to move back to Portugal because his partner and his, and his child are still there. And so it's a little bit of a surprise to see him play for Hull. But actually, he's a really capable championship. Center. As, as with all championship defenders, he's really good. And then once in a while, he'll drop a clanger and then he'll be good again. Um, you know, and then the other headline, I guess, I guess, was Samba, because he is such a high profile figure, because he has created such a name for himself. Um, there's all kinds of rumours swirling around about, you know, apparently he was he was supposed to get a, uh, his wages doubled if Forrest got promoted. And apparently the wages were doubled, but there's still an absolute fraction of what he was going to earn compared to what Dean Henderson is earning. But on the other hand, he also wanted to be first choice keeper. And 
I can understand why Forrest have said the first thing we want to do is sign a proper Premier League, ideally higher level than Premier League um, goalkeeper because most good teams build from the back. And Samba probably, although I love him and he's one of the biggest characters we've seen at the city ground and everyone's sad to see him go. And he obviously loved it at Forrest as well. From a pragmatic point of view, we've upgraded. So if he needs to go elsewhere, gone back to France, hopefully got himself a good contract. We'll play first team football. Fair play to him and good luck to you in the future, Brees. Yeah, I think it is hard as fans once you get attached to players as well and they've been there and obviously had an impact on the team. It's hard to see them go. But like you say, I mean, Dean Henderson coming in, although it's only on loan, I think it's a really good signing um, for this season. And we'll see what happens next season, I suppose. But certainly a steady set of hands and goal as well. So um, mm. we'll just, I mean, we didn't mention Jed Spence. You did just before about how important he was to Nottingham Forest last season. Um, obviously, he was on loan. But were you sad that he, he didn't end up back at Nottingham Forest? And how do you think he'll do at Tottenham next year? Well, okay, so uh, to talk about Spence to start off with, yeah, we're sad he's not at Forest, but I think it kind of felt inevitable. He's from London, and apparently he'd kind of set his sights on on moving to Spurs. And the key thing here is that he obviously needs a manager who's going to uh, shower him with love and affection. And Conte is one of the best man managers in, in the business experience. Will he get in the Spurs team? Not straight away. Will he have room to grow? Hopefully. Obviously, Spurs play with wing-backs, or Conte prefers to play with wing-backs anyway. So, fingers crossed that will happen. I guess the big danger for him is if Conte and Spurs break up, which, you know, knowing what we do about Conte, it wouldn't be a big surprise if that happened. Um, So, yeah, I mean, fair play to Jed. He deserves a crack at the Premier League. It's a shame it's not with us. But at the same time, the Spence deal for Tottenham, it starts at 12.5 million, but it's going up to 20 million, whereas we've saw Nico Williams for an initial fee of somewhere around, I think, 14 going up to 17. And Nico's got more pre- more experience at the top, top level. So you can see why Forrest decided to look elsewhere. Um, you can also see why Jed decided to look elsewhere. Um, the other point I'm just going to make, Michael, if I may, is that um, it's worth remembering that Forrest's first team that got promoted was built around five loanees and all of them are no longer at the club. There's still a glimmer of hope that Keenan Davis might be signed from Villa, but Villa are currently pricing him out of the market, if what we what we hear is true. But Zinconagel's gone. Um, Jimmy Garner's gone back to Man United. Don't know what's going to happen there. Um, and then, obviously, I say, I mentioned Keenan already. Uh, Max Lowe went as well, and then Jed. So, so we've lost half a team uh, from players who weren't ours. And so it's worth pointing out to your listeners that although we've signed a lot of players, we still haven't got enough to make a decent first team. Our first 11 isn't, isn't complete yet. Yeah. And that's the difficult thing with having loanies as well, especially young talent, talent from Premier League clubs. If they do well, whether they're the plans or you know, they've got a future at their clubs, their parent clubs, of course those clubs are going to do their due diligence as a business and probably look for the best thing that's going to benefit them, not necessarily as the player or the, or the loan club. So, yeah, it's certainly difficult to build a squad, but um, I think Spence would do well at Tottenham. Um, obviously, he probably would have had a little bit more opportunity at Nottingham Forest next season. Um, but I think, you know, the opportunity to work under Conte is probably a good one as well. But like you say, 
Um, Conte, he's not always at clubs for a long time, so if it does go pear-shaped, we'd be interested to see how that all pans out. Um, now, if you don't mind, we'll, we'll talk about Steve Cooper because I, this is you know a massive part of the story, obviously. From, from my um, knowledge, Nottingham Forest were bottom of the championship when he took over in September last season, so quite a turnaround, obviously. Just how is he regarded by Nottingham Forest fans? Is he seen as the man to take Nottingham Forest forward into the future? I think I can safely say that he is the most highly regarded and most loved Forest boss in 20 years, possibly even 30 years since the great man Brian Clough retired. Um, now, that those are big words. I'm, I'm very aware of the fact that that's a big thing to say. But for him to take over with Forest rock bottom, they hadn't won a game. They got one point out of the first 21. Now, bearing in mind that Derby had a 21-point deduction last season, Forest effectively had a 20-point deduction and, and had only um, 39 games in the season. So the fact that Forest could still have got promoted with less than a week of the season to go by finishing second is absolutely astonishing. And what's quite interesting is that Tom off our podcast, he did an interview with 442 magazine, which is talking about the return of Forest after 23 years. And in that, Gary Brazil, who has been the club's academy manager and is still at the club, he just said, when Steve came in, everything changed. The whole place just felt galvanized and positive and the ambition went from being, can we do stuff to we're going to do stuff. So Steve Cooper's had a massive effect. He's made good players better. He's made average players look good. He's been really um, good to the players and staff in terms of those who aren't involved. They haven't been ostracized. He's sent players out on loan if they're not going to get a chance. And he's also looking after the youth. So we've had, you mentioned quite a lot of um, first team squad who've been, you know, sent away or, or their contracts fixed by. We've also had loads of young players who are going out on loan. So the likes of Finn Back, Riley Harbottle, um, they are going off to get their chance so that depending on what happens with Forest, they might still have a future there. So he's doing an outstanding job. He works with youth. He is a great coach. And most importantly, it seems as though he's an outstanding human being. And there's all kinds of rumours. A player who we didn't mention is Joe Lolly, who's been an important part of Forest squad. And now he's been told he's no longer part of the first team. And there's all kinds of rumours saying he got notified by text message or whatever. But the bottom line is, is that it would be unfair of a manager to say to a player like Lolly, who's been such a good servant, it'd be unfair for him to say, yeah, there's still a chance when there isn't. So what he's done is he said, train with the under 23s, go off and find yourself a new club and you can go with our blessing. So, you know, there's always going to be stuff that we don't know about, but Cooper's effect has been absolutely outstanding. And I need to also add in there. So for context, for your listeners, Michael, um, Forrest have been very, very badly run for a long time. And even though the current ownership have been in place for five years, just over a year ago, we appointed a new chief executive. And he's a young guy, an American guy called Dane Murphy. He's 34 years old when he was appointed, 35 now. And he'd been the chief executive of Barnsley. He was a, a former player in the MLS. And he moved into scout, scouting and so on and so forth. And moved into the business side of football. Since he's come in, Forrest for the first time have had a strategy 
rather than just sign players and hope they work, they've been scouting players. They put their recruitment network in place. They've got a strategy for what's happening off the pitch. We're hoping to get the go ahead for a new stand to be built soon. So all these things that have been kind of bubbling under since the Murphy regime has started running the club, there's a lot of positivity in terms of things happening in a strategic way where it's not just, and again, I'm looking at you Fulham and Bournemouth where they're just throwing stuff at a wall and hoping it sticks. Yeah, you've made um, some really good points there. Obviously, it's an incredible achievement by Steve Cooper. And I think I think you've mentioned there off-the-field stuff I, I wasn't aware about. But I think off-the-field, definitely, especially when you're trying to come back up and stabilise the club and get back to it with the Premier League. And even when you're in the Premier League as well, we've seen Man United, absolute shambles off-the-field. I think getting that off-field balance right as well, just as important as getting the on-field balance right there as well. And obviously, it's paying dividends for... Nottingham Forest and, and like you say um, Fulham and um, Norwich is just throwing money and I think last time Fulham came up they signed 17 players it just created absolute chaos and it wasn't um, measured or calculated and um, obviously Watford as well who have been up and down the, in the Premier League as well they you know they're quite trigger happy with their manager so I think it'd be good to see Steve Cooper get a go obviously he's, he's deserved that as well when you look at teams and um, recent history as well. Eddie Howe was Bournemouth for a few years, sticking with him. Uh, Burnley was Sean Dyche. So I think um, you know, creating that stability definitely helps the team on the field as well. Yeah. So obviously there's no guarantee that we won't get relegated, but if it happens, I'm hoping that the club won't throw their toys out the pram. They will stick with the plan. They will have a strategy. They'll have plans in place to deal with whatever eventualities are, you know, happen to take place. And I think that's, that's really important. And, given how turbulent things have been at the city ground over the last 20 years, I think that's something that gives fans a lot of reassurance as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think we're probably probably done there, Richard. Um, thanks for your time. Really appreciate you coming to talk to me um, and the, for the Perth Delaprem podcast. Um, just for Nottingham Forest fans who are listening and haven't already caught on to your podcast or look at your match reports, where can they find you? Right. So uh, you can get all of our links by, by going to Linktree. Uh, so we've got a, a Linktree account, uh, which is under the name Nottum, N-O-T-T-M underscore Forest. Uh, we post the most on Twitter and it's the same handle at Nottum underscore Forest. And of course, if you just search for 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast in the usual places, then you should be able to find us. All right. Thanks, Richard. Um, as always, you can catch Perth Della Prem on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Perth Delaprem and on your preferred podcasting platform. Be sure to keep an eye out for Podcast 4 where the boys will be previewing the community shield between Manchester City and Liverpool. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Perth Delaprem podcast. <laughs>